Hello, promoters, and welcome to Uncharted Territories, episode number 39. Delighted to be back with the team this evening. We've got a good show in store for you tonight. We're going to be talking, or this afternoon or this morning, depending upon when you download this episode. We're going to be having three quarters of the Legends team that actually attended the Hall of Fame ceremonies in Waterloo, Iowa, discuss their experiences over the weekend, and it should be a lot of fun and very interesting to hear. But before we get into that, as is our want, we're going to go around and greet each team member and have them give the Grant Pachoco AccuWeather forecast for their neck of the woods. And we're going to start that off with Corey Olson. Corey, how are you? I'm doing well, Stu. Thanks for that fine introduction, as always. Uh, weather report, Maplewood, Minnesota, after a lot of driving through Iowa this weekend back in Maplewood. A uh, little bit cooler than it had been at the start of the summer, uh, kind of the low 80s, but very hazy. Um, I heard from fellow promoter Chris Foster, who lives up uh, in Duluth, a couple hours north. Um, it sounds like he, uh, this haze is kind of coming from uh, some uh, Canadian fires. So hopefully uh, just kind of a temporary thing and hopefully these fires get put out soon. But uh, happy to be back with you here, promoters, and to talk about the great Hall of Fame weekend. Thank you, Corey. Interestingly enough, we're getting that same haze out here from those fires. So that fire is traveling. Tim Dalton, how are things in Buffalo, sir? Things are wonderful here, Stu. It, it, uh, it, it's, it's good to be back home, even though I really enjoyed my time out in, uh, in Iowa at the, at the, the uh, Trago Spez Hall of Fame. It's uh, always nice to kind of return home and uh, weather here is good. We're uh, in the uh, about 80 today. We've got the same issue with the, the haze and the air quality warnings and stuff. Supposed to be in the, the mid mid to upper 70s for the next few days. So uh, looking looking good in Buffalo. That is wonderful, Tim. Happy to have you aboard. Chad Olson, how are you tonight, sir? Well, I appear to be the only member not under a haze because we, we're not having any of this smoke that everybody's talking about. My wife's, um, my wife's boss is somewhere up in northern Minnesota, like on a lake, and, and she sent her a picture today of, of the smoke-filled air, and they can't go outside. Um, so that's unfortunate. But it is very warm. It's, oh, high 80s, low 90s, got a... Fair show on Thursday and scheduled to be 90 in Humboldt, Iowa, home of the legendary Franklin Alvin Gotch, and it is going to be a warm one. I'm hoping there we are under a pavilion with a high roof so we can set up the ring under a little bit of shade, but not counting on it. Duly noted. And I am Stu Lowry. I'm hosting this particular, particular episode of Uncharted Ter Territories, if I can get that out of my mouth. I am in Virginia, and Virginia's forecast is 90 today, 90 tomorrow, 90 the next day, 90 the next day, 90 the next day, and I'm not kidding, and it will be that way until September. Check back with me then. I am sick of the Virginia summer. I did have a delightful weekend, although I was unable to make the Hall of Fame. I was down at the a local lake, uh, a regional lake, I should say, in Virginia with some old college friends, and we had a grand time there. But I certainly am looking forward to getting the skinny on the Hall of Fame weekend. And with that, we're just going to, I guess, kick things off with the discussion in general. We can all pipe in, or the people that actually attended can pipe in uh, to the Hall of Fame, about the Hall of Fame ceremony. When did it start? It started Thursday, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. There was a little social on uh, Thursday night uh, with some pizza from Doey Joey's. 
um, a little presentation and speech by Coach Gable. And uh, then from there, moved over to the hotel for some trivia and uh, uh, some uh, drinks after that. So good, good way to start the weekend. As I understand it, a it was a team of Filsinger Games fans that perhaps did pretty well in the trivia contest. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Uh, I think they took second place. Is okay. that right? Yes. Yeah, they did. They took second. That's awesome. And uh, Tim and I, and I believe Mike Molesky, and there might have been somebody else there. We we kind of watched the trivia. We didn't officially participate, but we were answering the questions just to ourselves. And uh, I think Tim, what did we get all but three right? I, I believe so. There, there were some really screwball questions at the end, like what WWE wrestler, uh, and they, they talked about whether active or only part time had the highest net worth. And uh, I, somebody actually came up with the end, or not WWE, but professional wrestler has the highest net worth. And somebody actually came up with the answer, Shaquille O'Neal, which I thought was a very good answer. And I thought yes. it might be the winner, but the answer uh, turned out to be John Cena, uh, $60 million in case you were listening. So, or, or I was wondering. wondering so, yeah. But so there were a couple of weird ones like that that we wound up missing. I think we missed the, uh, the arena this year. Normally they, they have like a picture of an arena and you need to identify the arena. And it was actually the Omni. Uh, and, and it was not a good picture though. I will say that. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, but that was, that was kind of fun. So we were kind of playing unofficially from, uh, from the back of the bar. So, uh, so that was nice. I wish you guys had entered, you know, <laughs> been right up there. <laughs> and I'll say on Thursday night. So, um, you know, I was kind of helping Chad and the museum people out by picking up some, some of the guests, um, I ran out to the Waterloo Airport to get Will Harrison, fellow promoter, and his brother John, who made the trip from uh, Washington State. And uh, while we were there, we were just about to leave. It's a small airport, small parking lot. Chad gives me a call and asked if I could pick up Brennan Martin. Uh, Brennan is the grandson of Christine Jarrett and has written a book about her. And uh, was there to, you know, of course, plug the book and everything. He's attended uh, attended the event before. Uh, so Chad gave me Brennan's number. I called him up, found him really quickly. He was actually already outside waiting. And uh, Brennan came over to me and said he had two more people with him from the Hall of Fame. He said, uh, a gentleman, Rich, and I'm going to forget his last name. Uh, Chad, do you remember his last name? Uh, England. Thank you. Uh, he was representing the Cauliflower Alley. And then the other person was Mark Henry. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I said, okay, I've got a kind of a mini SUV. And I thought, well, I think we can make this work. Uh, Will had already sat sh shotgun. I said, you got to move to the back because Mark Henry is going to need shotgun. And we were able to rearrange luggage and everything and, and get everybody in there. So uh, I got to drive the world's strongest man down to the museum. And he was a very, very friendly gentleman, very funny. And uh, it, just a, it was a short ride, but a lot of fun. So he did fit comfortably into your SUV. He fit. I don't know about comfortable, but he fit. <laughs> he got in there. He All got right. in there, and and we were able to drive. Cool. Yeah, I called Corey, and he answers his phone on, and I think it was on speaker. And I'm like, I hear this voice. I'm like, does Corey already have Mark Henry in the car? And <laughs> he did, and he dropped. He brought Mark Henry to the museum, and Mark Henry walks over to me and goes, "You must be Big Brother," and shook my hand. But <laughs> <laughs> he was he was super cool. Yeah, he was. That's awesome. Was there a pretty good mix of, uh, or were there wrestlers in attendance for trivia night? I'm guessing, or was it mostly attendees? 
No, Rocky Kernodal was there and Gennard Soli and, and pretty much everybody. Mark Henry was hanging out in the lobby talking to Thunderbolt Patterson for over an hour. That was oh, that's awesome. Cool. You can tell. I mean, I don't know. If we're going chronologically, we'll get to later about how you could tell Mark Henry is such a fan just of wrestling in general. Um, but I, as I recall, you know, people may not have been participating Although Jerry Briscoe, there was a, uh, a, a, what do you call it? One of the trivias was, was a picture and it's like, who is this wrestler? And it was Killer Kowalski. And it was from his kind of earlier days. And Jerry, what did he answer? Farmer birds or he told one team it was farmer birds or something ridiculous. And then, and then there was a question and the answer was Eddie Graham. And Jerry said, Eddie Graham. And they looked at me. I go, yeah, he's right this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the um, maybe it was some of the IPW wrestlers, the younger yeah. wrestlers who, um, you know, aren't maybe aren't quite as studied on some of that history. Um, although they, they had they. They, uh, Bryce Jordan, um, we'll talk about him later, but Bryce came up to me. There was a question about the first NWA champion and they, it was, um, I don't believe that one was multiple choice. I think this was later and Bryce guessed Buddy Rogers, which was a fair guess, you know, not, not the correct answer, of course, but I said, oh, that's a good guess, Bryce. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no, I was kind of being a floating ringer. People just asked me if I knew what the answer was and I'd tell them. So I think that question, the, the one you're speaking of was when they were asking about Orville Brown. Um, oh yeah correct correct so it was it was fun just hanging out um i was just kind of going from table to table checking on folks make sure everybody's having a good time orville brown was a champion of mine in another wrestling game but that's a story for another day he oh had a my great great title run i might add great title run so that pretty much take care of thursday or were there hijinks later that evening that uh, may or may not be suitable for this podcast I'll just say for me, it was a late night. I, I uh, closed the bar and spent time with uh, Chad's lifelong friend, Mike Ingebrigtsen, and uh, we had a good talk about life and things. So, but, uh, but you know, I, it wasn't, wasn't anything too wild or, or anything illegal, anything I have to hide. So just, just a late night. <laughs> yeah. We had a nice, nice chat too with, uh, uh, you know, with Rocky Cronodal at the bar, just, uh, yes. You know, just a bunch of a few of us sitting around. Chad brought him over just because he was kind of hanging out and the people were were heading out. And so he came over and sat with us. And I mean, just what a what a tough thing this had to be for him to go through losing his brother. And I I hope that it was a cathartic weekend for him and he was able to get through it. I know he hung out with Sarge a lot, which I think we'll talk about a little later, too. But, um, you know, it's just got to be a a tough thing to come and he would he would break down every now and then talking about him but he sat around telling us stories for quite a while and uh it it was a lot of fun and i I think he enjoyed it and i think it was a good time for him too so so that was good awesome all right so that concluded thursday's festivities and we move into friday and friday uh, i believe contained a lot of wrestling on that particular day so let's chat about that and go over friday's agenda and some of the match results and what what transpired guys sure so uh around around noon on friday um kicked off with a few matches we had uh the opening rounds of both the men's and women's hall of fame classic tournaments and uh, the results of those, those matches in the first round for the men's, uh, we had the front man, Jossie, 
defeating IPW's Gable Galileo. That was a nice little competitive match. I'd never seen Jossie before, a very, very talented wrestler. Uh, then also in the men's tournament, we had one called Manders, who was recently in the uh, best of, or the uh, IWTV set. Um, he defeated IPW's Justin Decent. That was, a, that was a good match. Manders, I actually saw a few years ago at the Waterloo event for the first time. Uh, let's see here. We had Jeremy Wyatt, longtime Midwest wrestler, uh, defeating GPA. And then um, we had Drama King Matt, who was formerly known as Aiden English in WWE, uh, defeating IPW's A. Uh, Matt, I was not familiar with his current gimmick, but he, he introduces himself and he's uh, very dramatic in his presentation, obviously being the Drama King, and he sings a little bit and uh, very, very uh, entertaining character there. Uh, and then in the women's classic matches, we had IPW's Brooke Valentine over IPW's Briar Hale. Uh, Briar is one of the uh, Hale twins. We've talked about them before. And then the other match saw um, Miranda Gordy, who was recently released in Promoter Prime, uh, defeating Heather Monroe, who was released in one of Grant's uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood sets. Uh, Heather Monroe is from Iowa, originally from Des Moines. Uh, so, it was, and it, she told me that it was actually her first time wrestling in Iowa. So that was pretty cool for her to be a part of that. Um, kind of mixed in with those tournament matches, there were also some of the uh, evaluation matches. So we had a panel of legends at ringside. We had Thunderbolt Patterson, Rock Riddle, Jerry Briscoe, uh, Ken Shamrock, Mark Henry, Joe Malenko. I believe that was everybody. And uh, they would kind of take notes on these wrestlers' matches. It was a, they were given, uh, was it seven minutes, Chad or Tim? Seven-minute time you. limit. Yeah, yep. seven-minute time limit. So Chad, as ring announcer, would call out when there were four minutes, uh, when four minutes had uh, expired in the match. Some ding-dong in the crowd is like, why are you yelling four minutes? It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably me. <laughs> no it, it wasn't it was coming from across the oh, okay. the arena from me not behind me <laughs> i was yelling other things okay go ahead yes yes um so uh yeah so we had several of those matches um featuring you know primarily ipw talent uh, a couple of wrestlers that weren't regulars for ipw we had mr marvelous who's billed from canada he took on bryce jordan and um uh, this, this was a new wrestler to me, but, uh, I, maybe he's a regular now for IPW Zeke dynamics. Is he a regular for IPW chat or is he one of the trainees? Um, I mean, he's a regular, he just kind of debuted recently. He okay. trained with the last class. Okay. So yeah, so he was, he was new to me, uh, but I got to see, uh, some of these guys, uh, put on a match for our, for the panel of legends and, uh, get some evaluation. And I believe they received some tips from the legends uh, after the match about what they could, what they do well and what they could improve upon. So that was a Friday afternoon. I'll let Chad and Tim throw any comments in that they might have. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was interesting. It was a fun, fun little thing. It's always good to see those, you know, the people kind of trying out and to see all the people at ringside that, you know, these seasoned veterans that are just kind of taking notes and and you would watch and like if somebody threw like a really crappy punch, you would I would look over quick and you'd see like people scribbling notes down, you know, like maybe, you know, if you can't throw a good punch, don't throw punches, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I remember I talked to somebody after the after one of those evaluations years ago and I said, 
so what exactly did they tell you in the you know when they were going through everything with you and then one guy said they 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 told us that none of us knows how to throw a good punch so that that was one of those things that i think uh is probably a repetitive comment but that's a I, big I comment was... from jim ross he's Yo. like he's he's said you can tell none of you have ever been in a fight and thrown a punch <laughs> But uh, no, I thought it was great. I thought the opening round of the tournament was good. Um, and I, I just, uh, you know, it, it was just a good time to go over there and hang out and, and watch some matches, you know, before the, the show later that night. Yeah, I mean, it's um, when I'm ring announcing, I, I'm not always 100% paying attention to the matches especially when i'm when they're so short and i'm having to keep track of a seven minute time limit um but uh you know because i'm like okay who's in the next match what do i need to know about that one but um it, it was it was good to see some new talent out there and and see some folks trying out and the hall of fame matches were really good on both the men's and women's side um you know we had miranda gordy there and heather monroe um brooke valentine um and then um Sage Hale, no, I'm sorry, Briar was in the tournament. Sorry, Sage and Briar Hale are identical twins, and I mean identical. And I cannot tell them apart. The only way I can tell them apart is whoever comes out with the belt, because I know who's champion. And sometimes they wear Sage Hale has a a uh, outfit that says Sage Hale on it, and I thank her for wearing that. Um, and in an interesting twist, I found out this weekend at the Sunday show, even though I know we're going chronological. Um, that I went to high school with their uncle. Um, Troy Peterson brought this guy backstage and goes, ask this guy who introduced yourself to this guy. Cause I know I'm supposed to know him, but I can't remember who he is. I'm like, yeah, he kind of looks familiar. And so his, his wife is siblings with one of the Hale twins uh, parents. So, and, and Eric, um, Eric Kanishi also went to high school with one of the twins parents. So it's a very small world. Indeed it is. All right, so go ahead, Corey. Were you going to say something? Sorry. No, I, I'm just going to go on through Friday's uh, schedule. Yep. yep. So, uh, so then there was a little bit of a break after those afternoon matches, and uh, fans could attend the recording of Wes Briscoe's podcast. And uh, Wes had on uh, Red Velvet, but the primary guest was uh, Mark Henry. And uh, I, I peeked in on that for a little bit. Um, didn't didn't stay very long, but uh, it looked like there was a good a good turnout for that. So, if you uh, listen to Wes's podcast, or if you, even if you don't, uh, check out that episode. I'm not sure when he drops it, but uh, that'll be an interesting one with Mark Henry. Wes was taking a lot of recordings this weekend of the fans and things like that, so I'm guessing he'll be using that audio on his show this week. So definitely check out Wes's show too. Excellent. And then I guess we have the big show uh, Friday night, unless I'm missing anything. Uh, is this, this IPW is pretty much the equivalent of their WrestleMania, this particular show each year? Yeah. And I guess I don't know, um, Corey or Tim, I, I know some promoters. Did you guys do anything between the shows? Otherwise, go grab a beer with anybody or do I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was not having a beer. That's for sure. I was <laughs> chicken with my head cut off probably. um i did not I, I know i was getting a little bit of a headache at that point and i wanted to be good for the friday night show so i i took a little rest and uh i i but i know i think some of the other promoters might have ran to single speed brewing or um one of the other uh or maybe doughy joeys which we ate at a lot this weekend 
Um, but uh, I personally didn't. Tim? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Friday that might have been when I, I just kind of walked down to the uh, the Mexican restaurant there and uh, grabbed an enormous burrito and uh, uh, just kind of walked around. It's really cool because they moved the restaurant. And I know we've talked about this place before, but the food is legit. It's authentic. And they moved across the street. And now the restaurant is housed within a much bigger area that is also a Mexican market. So they have uh, foods and things like that there uh, that, that, you know, that uh, cater to the, the Mexican population. I thought it was fantastic. I walked around the market, there were a million things in there and it was just, it, it was very cool. And, and uh, you know, while I, right after I had my, my enormous burrito, I, I took a walk through the market and it was, it was really a nice, nice little thing. So uh, again, something, uh, something right there in the, the middle of Waterloo, you wouldn't expect. But yeah, that was all I all I did. I kind of I was kind of taking it easy as well. Yeah, I uh, as I recall, that Mexican restaurant and grocery store used to be across the street, and then the grocery store moved across the street, and the Mexican restaurant slid into the grocery store spot, and then that went across there. And now it sounds like a um, a burger food truck might be, um, you know, dive bombing its way into that restaurant area right. for former area where the the mexican restaurant was holed up and now is going to be into the uh that place so lot, lots of things to to bomb your guts with down there not to mention doughy joey's and you know oh. Ze zeke became a fan of doughy joey's i was just i was he kind of on a, i was kind of on a discussion board internet sabbatical until right about 20 minutes ago because i'm just like i need a break um <laughs> and I was just catching up on everybody's posts. And, and Zeke, like my son Connor, is now a big fan of the Doughy Joeys. Do not be. I mean, it's an outstanding name. It is. And it's, it's a good restaurant, food. too. Their food's very good. Yeah, yeah. it is. I yes, think. it is. Was it closed when I was there? Or Well, the year you went there, to, I think we still had the pizza social, right? That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, so the pizza. So Doughy Joeys used to be downtown. And then about six years or so ago, they moved to Cedar Falls and closed the downtown location. And then for the past six years, it's just set empty. And it's a prime piece of real estate on the corner. And during the pandemic, they closed the Cedar Falls location. And then they were both closed. And then about a month and a half ago, they reopened the Waterloo one. Um, so fantastic pizza, sandwiches, pasta, all sorts of good stuff. Um, and it, it was good to have them back and they've always supported the museum by donating a lot of the food for the Thursday night social. Um, so on Thursday night, I was playing pizza delivery, man. I drove down there with my minivan and threw about 25 pizzas in the back, took them down to the museum and came back to get the last five. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was good to have them back. Zeke's fan. I know Corey, Corey and Tim are fans and Connor was oh, happy yeah. to be back there. Oh, yeah. Although I know Connor also hit up the Mexican restaurant the one day too because he asked for me for money. Yeah, I was I was shocked to see the the subway that was uh, on between the, wow. the uh the the hotel and the museum had closed, which was kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. And I guess to to just to to kind of dial back a little bit, holy crap, the hotel is completely different. Yes, really. I I went in and I walked in the door. 
to the hotel to check in. Uh, I got in on Wednesday and I walked in the door and I literally said out loud, oh my God, because it was warm outside, but the air conditioning in the lobby was actually working, uh, which is unique. Yes. And, uh, you know, and then I, I texted Chad later. I said, hey, the, the air conditioning in my room works. The sink and the, the uh, shower both drain and my toilet flushes. Where has this place been the last 15 years of my life? So Some it story. was taken over. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. It was taken over by a Best Western and they just did a fantastic job remodeling it. I mean, everything looks 100% better. The carpeting on the floors, the rooms, the lobby, the bar, uh, the breakfast area, the whole, like everything, everything about that place is great. And they bought, from what I understand, they also bought the convention center, uh, the, the new owners and are in the, you know, no, is that the city they're, they're no longer aligned. It used to be that the Ramada owned the Five Sullivan Center, okay. but now the city owns the convention center. So there is no alignment between the two properties, but they're also in the middle of remodeling the convention center and they had yeah. good folks to work with there. Um, and the people at the Best Western were great to work with. And I, I, you know, based on the age of most of the people I saw at the Best Western, I don't think any of them worked there before. You know, they're mostly younger, but I just kept marveling to them. This place is so nice. And they're yeah. like, oh, thank you. I'm like, no, you don't understand what a shit trap this was before. Or, you know, hey, it's a restaurant with working air conditioning and more than one server in the entire freaking place. I mean, we yeah. just kept, thank you so much. And just, and, and the young man who managed the restaurant, he might've been there before, but again, we just kept thanking him so much for having, having servers, having food. It's little things like that that you might expect to have in a restaurant, but the Ramada did not deliver. Right. And and it was it'd be tough because after the show you'd have a hundred people in that in that bar and you'd have one bartender behind the bar trying to get to all these people and it was crazy. You just it took you forever to get a drink and it it just seemed you know nuts. And we I know Chad and Troy and whoever would would tell the hotel, look, you got to You got to have some people here because this place is going to be packed. Yep. They didn't they care. Would. They did yeah, not they care. One did not care and they never did anything and it was terrible. So uh, just, just kind of, yeah, just, that was my first impression when I walked in there, I was blown away. The hotel was just amazing. Yeah. It, it was really, it was really nice. It was nice to have, like you said, air conditioning and showers that worked. Yeah. Unlike yeah, the Econo Lodge that uh, Mark Taggart said, apparently the Econo Lodge, is, it used to be a quality inn, but we called it the low quality inn because we had to stay there once when the hotel right. was settled out. No, two years we stayed two, there. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And those hallways smelled a piss the whole time. And I think it's, yes, they did. it's gone rapidly downhill. It's more of a, I think there's actually people just living there like apartments and very little of it is actually rented out for a hotel space so. and, the, and, and if you thought the, the hallway smelled bad the the stairwells were 10 times as bad so yeah so kudos to mark taggart for his bravery next time we'll try to find him one that's a little more um what do i want to say cheaper that where he may not contract a disease so yeah yes. hats off to mark for staying there so I oh, think we we're going right. into Friday so, night. Uh, so getting, getting into the show. <laughs> we are going into Friday night. What happened yeah. at the IPW big show? 
Well, for me, the big thrill was getting my picture taken, getting an autograph from Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, the U.S. Express. Super excited to do that. They're my favorite tag team. You know, not my favorite tag team, but they're the first WWF tag team champions I remember when we rendered the WrestleMania VHS. Um, So that was a big thrill. And there were yeah, were tons of uh, legends there. You know, they they set up their autograph tables kind of on the outskirts of the arena as the show was going on. I mean, they did have an intermission, but you know, a lot of these legends were there all night. And uh, um, one thing I had heard, I didn't I didn't see this myself, but somebody was saying that Mark Henry um, would actually not do autographs during the matches because he wanted to watch the matches. He wanted to see these uh, young up and comers and uh, check out their matches. So I I really admired his appreciation for wrestling uh when i heard that story but um yeah like i said lots of legends got lots of autographs uh between Mm -hmm. friday and saturday and uh, i'll run down the matches here in a minute but if tim has anything else for just kind of the ambiance of friday night yeah it was really cool i had uh i brought a program uh with me that uh from toronto uh a show up in toronto where there was a one-night tournament for the Canadian TV title, and the finalists were Don Cronodal and Mike Rotundo. And I was really looking forward to Don Cronodal being there. And I talked to his brother about this back on Thursday when we were in the bar. And so I brought the program with me, and I had some pictures. I think I was like probably second or third row ringside uh, in, in, in at Maple Leaf Gardens that night, and had taken a bunch of pictures of the match with my with my 35 millimeter camera, and brought a bunch of those pictures with me because I had the zoom lens so I could get in close on people and stuff and uh, brought, a, brought a bunch of those pictures and was showing him to Rocky. And he's like, he's like looking at him. He's going, Hey man, you got to show these to Mike. And so he's passing them down to Mike Rotundo. And so I had, uh, I had both of them sign my program and, uh, and, and uh, it was just kind of a cool moment and got my got you know a lot of autographs and things too and went around tried to try to get to everybody i could there because some of the people are only there for the show and other ones are there for the 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 bigger you know the the more formal autograph signing the next day so you know you're trying to make the rounds and make sure you you do as much as you can on that day because you know it's going to be a lot a lot more crowded in the uh, uh in the museum when when they have the autograph signing the next day so uh, just a just a great kind of prelude, and and uh, and I'll let uh, Corey take over now with the the results of the show. Yeah, the show itself got started about six thirty. Uh, we had our ring announcer Chad Olson come in to his theme song of wrestling tonight from Grunt the Wrestling Movie. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> yes, fans, um, they even give me walk up music. <laughs> Um, but I'll kind of go through the results here and Chad and Tim, feel free to jump in with your thoughts on any of these matches as I go through. Um, but we opened up with the uh, semifinal round of the men's hall of fame classic. First up was uh, Jossie against uh, the one called Manders. And uh, that was a good match. You know, Manders more of a powerhouse and a brawler and Jossie a little bit more, um, you know, fast, faster paced wrestler, but uh, Jossie came out the winner in that one with a super kick. And then uh, second semifinal was, Drama King Matt against Jeremy Wyatt. And this was a, a good match. You kind of had two guys who had a little bit similar look to shave head and a goatee. Um, and uh, Drama King had him in a, kind of a cradle and Wyatt rolled through, reversed the cradle and scored the pin. And that to me was a big surprise. Uh, I think, you know, with Drama King Matt having had 
a little bit more time in, in bigger promotions and um, just kind of the nature of the match. I, I thought Matt was going to go to the finals, but uh, Wyatt pulled off the, the big upset and, and moved on. So a uh, couple of good uh, matches to uh, kick off the card. I was a little surprised by that result. And even the Manders results, given that he was a former Iowa Hawkeye football player too. Yeah. Uh, but, but I thought both those were very good matches back and forth. A lot of give and take by both guys or all four guys. And just, uh, again, just kind of a, a, what you like to see in these types of matches, you know, and, and uh, uh, I thought it was a great kickoff to the show. So then up next uh, was a, a Hall of Fame weekend uh, tradition, and that was the Luthez Cup Battle Royal. Um, I believe, if I counted correctly, there were 18 superstars in this match, uh, many of the regular IPW uh, wrestlers and a, a couple of uh, returning wrestlers or special appearances, such as J.P. Payne, one of my favorites. Uh, but in the end, uh, the Death Dealer came out the winner. He uh, it got down to him against A.J. Smooth and Gable Galileo, the former tag team champs. They tried to double team Death Dealer, uh, but he threw out Gable first and then uh, threw out A.J. to uh, to win it all. So I was very happy. I, I liked the Death Dealer a lot, and I was glad to see him come out the victor in that battle royal. Yeah, that was nice, too. And, and uh, I will say the Death Dealer does clean up really nice because I saw him at the banquet the next night. And, and was commenting on his suit. He had the, he had the little pocket, the pocket handkerchief and the, the, the matching tie and, and he looked really sharp. So, um, you know, it's a little bit different than the, 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 the makeup and the chain and the whole nine yards. So he was looking good. Just a guess here, but I'm pretty sure Mrs. The Death Dealer picked that up. That, that, that would not surprise me because Mrs. The Death Dealer was looking pretty good herself. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. They, they are a, lo- they are a lovely, lovely couple, two of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and then we went right into the uh, the next match. Um, we had a, an eight-man ladder match for the IPW Extreme Championship. Malice was the current champion going into the match. And uh, as the Battle Royal was getting over, AJ Smooth, who, as I said, was one of the last or was the last eliminated by the Death Dealer, he immediately kind of got in the ring and uh, asked Chad for the microphone and said he was going to have his Waterloo moment and that he was going to do something big, he was going to win the extreme title. So uh, the other other wrestlers in the match, we had Damian Saint, Jackson King, Cole Cannon, Jimmy Wilde, Gable Galileo, and Zeke Dynamics. And this was a wild match. You know, you don't see a lot of matches like this in IPW. And uh, a lot of chairs thrown, a lot of moves with the ladder. Um, you know, I was, I was concerned at one point. Uh, so legend Rock Riddle was sitting right next to Chad at ringside. And I can't remember uh, which two wrestlers were, were, do, were setting up something. I want to say Jimmy Wilde and Gable Galileo, maybe. But they were mm-hmm. kind of setting up something with the ladder in between the top and the middle ropes and trying to do a big move off of it. And I was worried they were going to fall off and land on either Chad or Rock and there would be some uh, damage out of that. But thankfully, they didn't. Yeah, I um, kept putting my hands up to shield Rock in case... Because the only spot I hate worse than that is the one where somebody wedges a chair between the top and middle rope. Because we have had times somebody did that and that chair went freaking flying. Thankfully, it flew up the aisle instead of in the crowd, but it shot up there about four rows. So it was it was pretty cool. Rock, you know, was just kind of walking around. Um, So he's like he just said, hey, can I sit with you? So he sat with me at the ringside table and it's. You know, hearing such a legendary performer's perspective on matches, um, you know, w- was really cool. 
and I've, you know, I've been enamored with Rock since the first time I saw him and, you know, met him out at CAC because he's just, he's a character, you know, he's just this colorful guy and um, he's a lot of fun. And hopefully the guys who got to meet him this weekend understand why I wanted to have him in a CAC set because he's just, he's just a great guy. I'm yes, glad you protected is. him. I need him in Star Spangled Wrestling. But continue on, Corey. There you go. There, there, there was a little bit of a spot too, where where the, the, the I'm sure Corey will say that, but the referee kind of took a bit of a shot during during that match as well. Yeah, so. yeah. So what ended up happening, you know, so Malice, uh, the largest wrestler in the match and the largest wrestler, regular wrestler in IPW, you know, he kind of took out all the other wrestlers. He started climbing up the ladder. You thought, oh, he's gonna he's gonna retain his title. Well, AJ Smooth had been kind of hiding the whole match. He came sprinting up the aisle with a chair. He nailed Malice in the back with the chair, knocked him off the ladder, climbed up the ladder himself and and grabbed the title and won it. So he did get his Waterloo moment. And yeah, as Tim alluded to, uh, Malice, of course, being upset, losing his title after the match, he kind of threw the ladder, uh, threw the ladder down or kind of across the ring. And in doing so, the latter hit uh, referee Joey Jojo, uh, who's the uh, youngest and, and smallest referee. Um, and uh, Joey was a little sh- shaken up by that. Malice didn't intend to, to hit him or anything. It just, just Joey just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, poor Joey took a little little bruise from that. He was okay on Saturday, but uh, we were a little concerned about Joey for a while there. So thankfully, he was all right. Uh, next match that was scheduled was as James Jeffries against Max Chill. We've talked a little bit about Max Chill on previous episodes. He's the leader of the Max Chill Mafia, along with the Shank and Adam Love, and uh, three uh, three bad guys that are you know kind of uh, they they their mouth does more than their moves sometimes, and uh, they uh, they they like to talk big and uh, and uh, you know challenge anybody. So they they came out for this match. I should mention first of all that uh, James Beard was the referee for this bout. And uh, all three members of the Max Chill Mafia stood in the ring uh, after the introductions. And Max got on the mic and told James that he hadn't read the contract carefully enough and that this was going to be a three-on-one handicap match. Well, James Jeffries, never backing down from a fight, agreed to do this. And so the match took place, and uh, James was getting in trouble with the three-on-one disadvantage when suddenly the music hit and T.S. Aggressor, uh, co-owner of IPW uh, came out in his wrestling year and uh, James Beard allowed him to, to be the partner. So James tagged him in and he uh, took control of the, uh, of the match. And then uh, TS pointed to the back and all of a sudden came out Bob Orton, cowboy Bob Orton. He was in his, uh, in his street clothes from the autograph session, uh, but he was wearing his cowboy hat. He got in the ring and just uh, threw some punches. And then uh, James and TS executed a uh, rocket launcher and uh, got the pin. So the good guys prevailed in the end as they should. And uh, that was that was good to see. So very a lot of fun, great match, you know, just um, the crowd was really into it. The crowd's always into James Jeffries. He's a, kind of the flagship of IPW. And uh, just, uh, I, was, I was wondering, I was waiting, I thought, well, who could it be that, that isn't already in another big match that, that could be James's partners, but uh, it was a good, a good surprise there, so. Um, then after that, we had a, an intermission where fans could get some autographs. And uh, right after that, we had a, a three-way match for the IPW Women's Championship. So we had Sage Hale defending against her twin Briar and Heather Monroe. And uh, that was a, a, a fun match. Uh, uh, Heather, you know, started off the match looking at both of her opponents and saying, wait a minute, you know, what's going on here? Why, why are there two of you? It's the same person, you know, kind of playing, playing up the twins bit. 
Um, and initially the Hales, who are enemies, uh, worked against Heather together, double teamed her. But uh, as three-way matches often do, the, the alliances shift. Um, in the end, Sage retained the title. She pinned her sister. She does kind of a, like a, a stroke like Jeff Jarrett, but with kind of a twist to it as her finisher. And uh, she used that to, uh, to pin Briar and to uh, remain champion. Yeah, it's kind of a cool full Nelson into a swinging neckbreaker, spinning neckbreaker thing. I don't, I certainly don't think she invented it, but no. I'm, I've never seen anybody do it, but I'm sure it's all over the indie scene somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good match. I was a, that was a fun little match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then we had another championship match. Uh, we had Justin Decent and Ethan Everhart defending the IPW tag team titles uh, against the legend killers, Maddie Starr and Sparrow, and the special guest team of Colt Cabana and Wes Briscoe. Uh, so this was a, a fun tag team match. Uh, Maddie and Sparrow ended up tagging in and having to face each other. And so they tried to steal the, the belts and, you know, have one man pin the other. Uh, but the, the heroes came in and, and stopped them. So uh, you know, wild match at the end. There was a lot of diving outside of the ring and, and some big, big brawls outside the ring. But in the end, uh, the champions retain. They, they're doing their finisher now is uh, kind of a, a power slam from Justin, and then Ethan comes off the top with a with a splash, and they they use that on Maddie Star to uh, remain champions. Uh, good, good, fun match. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of cool spots and, and moves in there. Yeah, Wes does a good job, uh, you know, kind of getting the crowd up and, and doing some comedy stuff, uh, you know, early on just to kind of get the crowd into the match. And, you know, Colt is Colt, so he's got his stuff that he does, and that that kind of gets everybody excited as well. So so it was good, but then it's always nice, though, I think, to kind of put the the emphasis back on your, your champions and the people that are there. And, um, and, and, you know, Justin's just a good guy, too, and he'll get the crowd riled up, Justin Deason, and and I thought uh, I thought this was a good one too. I thought this was a nice little. Th- I'm, I'm not a big fan of all the multi-person, multi-team matches, but I thought this one worked pretty well. And uh, th- from there we went to the uh, Men's Hall of Fame Classic, and uh, this was a great match. Uh, Jossie and uh, Jeremy Wyatt. Right after Chad's introduction, uh, Wyatt stormed the corner and attacked uh, Jossie's knee. So he was working the knee and the leg that entire match. He went for a figure four a couple of times. Uh, and C was hanging in there, fighting, fighting hard, uh, knowing what was at stake. Um, and uh, Wyatt just has some great quick transitions. And uh, he just pulled this ankle lock out of nowhere um, and got the tap out to, uh, to win the tournament. This was a really great match. I um, mean, you know, I wasn't timing the matches. I would guess it went about 15 minutes at least. Uh, Tim or Chad, I don't know if you remember. But... That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, it was... That Which match? Uh, uh, the uh, the finals of the tournament with Wyatt and Jesse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one at least 15, I think. I should yeah. know better because I am the timekeeper, but I, once the match is over, it's a race from memory. Yeah, but it, it, it but it didn't drag at all. I mean, it was interesting. They did a great job telling the story about the, the, the leg, and Jossie would get those hope spots coming back, and you know, you thought that he might do something and might get the win, but I, I got to tell you, you know, I've seen Jeremy Wyatt a few times before. He's just outstanding. His transitions on the mat in this match were just amazing and smooth and effortless, and he just did a fantastic job. Uh, and and uh, 
kind of kind of nice to see one of the Midwest legends, you know, kind of kind of get put over in the, uh, the, the the classic. So, just yeah, I, I was very impressed as always with with Wyatt. Yeah, agreed. I've been following Wyatt for about eleven years, and um, yeah, it was great to see him go over in the in the end. The great match from from both wrestlers. Uh, after that, we had the Women's Hall of Fame Classic. So this was Brooke Valentine and Miranda Gordy. And Miranda came out to a uh, a newer version of Bad Street USA. Uh, she wore a cool jacket and some uh, some red shades. And she did a little like strut and mini moonwalk, you know, imitating Michael Hayes. And uh, the only disappointment with that was that they didn't play Bad Street USA long enough for Tim and I to get through the uh, the chorus, but that's okay. Uh, but she and Brooke, uh, they had a good match. I'd like to see them work together uh, again in the future. I thought they're, they're both kind of power, powerful ladies and um, just put on a really good match. Um, Miranda got the pin in the end. Um, Brooke went for a charge in the corner, hit the buckles, and Miranda schoolgirled her and, uh, and won the match in the tournament. So good, good decent match there. Yeah, I, I told Miranda on, on Sunday, because she worked our Sunday afternoon show, too, it was just a thrill to me to announce somebody from Bad Street USA and just, you know, complimented on how much I enjoyed her dad, both in Japan and with the Freebirds and stuff. So she was, um, she was, she was really cool. And at the day of the Hall of Fame show that Friday, I'm pretty sure was the anniversary of her father's death, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that, that was, that, that was good. She seemed like a really nice kid, you know, talking to her a couple of times. I mean, uh, that just seemed, I hope, you know, I hope she goes on to a good career and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, you know, I'll, I'll be watching her because I mean, I think she's, uh, she's, she's got some, she's definitely got some raw talent. So hopefully that'll, that'll pay off for her down the road. Sure. Uh, and then uh, let's see, after that was the, uh, the main event uh, for the IPW championship. This is a rematch of the Waterloo show from 2019, as well as the 20th anniversary show in May. We had the big picture, who's the longest reigning IPW champion, putting the title on the line against Bryce Jordan. I forgot to mention that at the start of the show, um, uh, big picture was presented with a new championship belt. Looks very nice. Uh, Chad gave him the belt. And then Big Picture took the old belt and threw it down on the rampway that they had leading to the ring. And in doing so, one of the plates popped off the old belt. So uh, it's good good they're getting a new belt. But uh, he came out wearing that new belt. And he and Bryce, uh, and we've kind of talked about this before, but, you know, Big Picture is about, uh, Big Picture is is about uh, 300 pounds, 300 plus pounds. Bryce, I'd say like 160, somewhere in there. Uh, but for me, they just, they have great matches. Uh, you know, Bryce is the, the baby face in peril against the big bully and, uh, it worked, um, big picture at one point went up to the top rope, which I don't think I've ever seen him do and, uh, didn't pay off as Bryce slammed him off the top rope, kind of looking like Ric Flair. And, uh, in the end, uh, Bryce ended up winning the title. He hit the Destino and, uh, won the belt. He had a lot of family and friends in attendance on his side. There were Bryce homemade Bryce Jordan shirts that they were wearing and he's from Waterloo. And uh, it was just uh, great to see, uh, see him uh, finally capture the gold. Yeah. He had about 40 friends and family in attendance there. And um, I think the most impressive is thing is Bryce actually got injured in his match earlier in the day. Um, got kind of a bad injury to his neck and um, didn't wrestle Sunday in is is uh i don't know if he's been wrestling if he wrestled at our knoxville show last night um but he went out there and gutted it out and 
what a fantastic match and just the way they built to it and incorporated you know at our um 20th anniversary show on may 8th they had a match and the finish was you know bryce coming off the ropes and picture caught him and tombstoned him um he hit that tombstone on him you know about halfway through the match it was a great false finish and and man those guys just did a fantastic job and hats off to big picture for being our champion for you know over two years obviously covid had uh, added some time to that but our plan was always to go all in with him for quite a long time and just let him run with it and he did a fantastic job um so big picture i mean he's just an awesome guy he's again he's one of my favorite people and you know we talk a lot about family and the hall of fame weekend family and i'm so grateful for my ipw family as well because you know having people like big picture and his his partner kaylee and death dealer and his wife alicia and you know james nicole it's it's just like having a bunch of little siblings and then you know you have these all these even younger guys who are my son connor's age or younger um and it was cool that connor came back uh after a few years absence and came to the the hall of fame show and and hung out with us for the weekend and he got to help mark henry with his autographs and we'll get to that on on our saturday recap but it was cool having connor there and meeting some of those guys and you know connor's Connor six four six five and like man why aren't you got you why aren't you a wrestler <laughs> a lot of the kids are asking him it's like well he had uh three surgeries in high school from football so that kind of cut things short for him um but it, it was cool to have Connor back and like I said just having all these guys around you know referee Joey Jojo Bryce Jordan Gable it's just so awesome to see them develop over the past few years so it makes makes me really proud and I really I, I told him that in the locker room on Sunday before the show, um, just that they're a great bunch of guys and I'm, I'm the biggest fan and I'm really proud of them for stepping up. Yeah, that was, I, I will say too, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a great crew. Everybody seems, you know, you could you could tell the rapport between the guys just when they're putting up the ring and tearing down the ring and, and all that stuff before the shows. And um, you know, the, the title match was just fantastic. Uh, it was your classic big guy, little guy type thing. And they did a great job of doing, you know, not, not trying to, to do anything beyond what they should be doing and making it look credible that you've got a guy, you know, with that kind of size difference that still comes out on top. It, it really was, this was a, a, the last two matches were just really, really good matches. And um, yeah, I, 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 I echo the, those sentiments and, and, just having gotten to know briefly just some of the people. I mean, they all seem like some pretty quality individuals. So uh, yeah, that was just, that was a good, good ending to the night and got the, got the big pop and uh, you know, uh, just, just a really nice way to send everybody home happy. How was the crowd? Pretty good crowd. Yeah, I'd say, I don't know. We probably had about, I'm, I'm really bad at estimating crowds. I'd say about f- between five and 600, maybe. Um, our biggest, our biggest one was in 2019. We had 700 and it wasn't quite that big, um, in terms of us, just the structure of the arena and how many rows deep we sit up of general admission. I don't think we had quite as many as that prior year, but you know, there's still, you saw some mass in the crowd, which is that's, that's fine. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I think 
you know, and obviously we've seen the news this week. I mean, people are still concerned about COVID and rightfully so, you know. Um, so there still might have been a few folks maybe, you know, not showing up because of that. But yeah, the crowd seemed very excited, you know, be excited to be back and at live wrestling. And uh, yeah, it was a good, a fun, fun event, really good show. Excellent. So Saturday rolls around and I guess, uh, well, what happened on Saturday? I know there was an autograph session. Were there vendor tables and I guess champions had it, or Filsinger Games had a table too? Yeah, there, yeah. Was a, there was a vendor table on Friday night at the show. And I guess I want to give a big shout out to um, Iowa Oaks, you know, Matt Johnson and Brian Vanderwall. They, they came up just for the show. And I think they helped Mike Molesky a lot at that table, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Mike, or I'm sorry, uh, Matt was there um, quite most of the night, um, you know, helping Mike out. And I want to mention that Friday night, um, so Mike had brought all of the Legends color sets, the different lines, and um, a couple of the Champions of Galaxy sets. He brought the 2087 color set and the Tournament of Champions set. And uh, he sold out of the Legends color starter set uh, on Friday night. So that was really cool to see. So thanks to Matt and Brian and anybody else that helped out Mike that night uh, so that Mike could watch the show. Mike was there, came there with his family from Pennsylvania. So um, yeah, that was, that was great to see. Um, but then, yeah, then Saturday, um, there were vendor tables throughout the day. Uh, in addition to Mike and, and the Phil Singer games table, uh, I mentioned Brennan Martin, he was selling his book on Christine Jarrett. Uh, we had Mark James, who was one of the award recipients, um, selling a lot of his results books. Um, we had John, um, Casper. Thank you. John Casper was there, uh, selling some of the books that he's written. He's written books on Louisville wrestling. Um, he's written some historical fiction wrestling pieces, and he's written a couple of books on lesser known wrestlers. Um, I think is it Elvira Snodgrass and then, and then, um, the black Panther, Jim Mitchell. So, um, got to talk to John a little bit. I've read that Louisville book and it was, um, just a great read and very influential on my own USWA, actually. So uh, it was great to, to meet him and I uh, hope to purchase more of his books in the future. Yeah, one thing, too, before even, you know, that that really got going was we, we got a tour uh, in the museum uh, led by Chad Olson and referee James Beard of the basement of the museum where there's a lot of additional memorabilia both amateur and pro, a lot of the, the Rob Schamberger paintings and uh, and that, I mean, I, I don't know, Chad, do you want to speak to that a little bit about the being the tour guide that you were? Yeah, so we wanted to do something for our all, as, as, uh, all access pass holders. And, you know, to be honest, and we mentioned it throughout the weekend, we really didn't start planning, you know, balls out until May because that's when the you know, regulations got lifted, uh, the restrictions, I should say, got lifted in Iowa. So this event was like, oh, we'll probably have a round table or something. And then Troy had the idea, hey, let's, could we do a tour of the basement? So I went down there Friday during whatever break in the action there was and kind of ran through it quick and kind of mapped out a path and, um, you know, said, yeah, we can make this work. And James Beard was on board and what a great guy he is. He's, uh, he's one of my favorite people. He's just totally agree. So, Agreed. so much part of the IPW hall of fame family. Um, I, just a wonderful guy. And then also Paul Farber, who's a volunteer. He's a mm-hmm. former 
pro wrestler himself, you know, that I would equate to kind of, you know, indie wrestling didn't start in the nineties. There's always been independent or what some might call outlaw wrestling. And Paul was part of that, you know, back in the late sixties, early seventies. Um, so he lives in Waterloo. Now he's a volunteer. He comes in and he just, he's like their curator of the, the stuff downstairs. And he goes through and just kind of tries to document it and stuff. So Paul joined us too. And we just kind of did a walking tour and, um, you know, point out some different things of interest. If James Beard had interacted with somebody, he would kind of note that and talk about things. And Paul was great about grabbing things. So for something that was very impromptu, um, impromptu and, and planned on the fly, we had a lot of great compliments um, and walked around the basement for about 45 minutes and, and showed people some stuff and answered a few questions. And it, it was a really good time. So it, it went a lot. You know, I thought it's like, oh, we'll be through this in 15 minutes and people are going to hate it. But we, we had a good time and, you know, it just, it really reinforced that for next year, one of our aims has got to be to set up some temporary exhibits during the pro weekend. And we've already started a planning document yesterday of things that went well, things we would need to improve and the planning team's working on that. So we already have some ideas in place for what we can try to do to make it just a better event for next year. Yeah, and when you when you see somebody that's that's a little bit you know well well traveled as far as the, the things go, like a, a John Arezzi, uh, and he's down there taking yeah. pictures of all these different plaques and medals and and things like that. I mean, he was just super impressed by mm -hmm. by the whole basement tour. I think he he was one of the ones that really was taking everything in, and I thought that was really well done, and I thought it was a great idea. And it was really kind of neat to see some of the stuff that isn't up in the main museum area, uh, you know, during the, uh, uh, you know, during the, the, the Hall of Fame weekend. So just a, a you know, nice little add-on for the all-access pass holders. Yeah, and it wasn't, we didn't really know until Saturday morning that this was going to happen. Our, our um, agenda just kind of said special event at the museum for the all-access pass holders. And so come to find out that this is what we were going to do. And it, it worked really well. Chad did a great job leading us and narrating things. And, and James and others added in background along the way. So it was great, uh, really great idea. And, um, and uh, just a, a fun to see some of those things. Some, some I had seen in the museum before when they were upstairs. Um, both the, the pro wrestling and the amateur wrestling pictures and memorabilia that was down there were just amazing. There's a great shot of Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Des Moines, uh, where the state high school wrestling tournament used to be, and it's from the tournament. So you see all the mats laid out and um, uh, you know, all the fans in the stand looking the, uh, at this wrestling. And for those of you that aren't amateur wrestling fans, Pro Wrestling Connection, uh, that same arena ho hosted a lot of events, perhaps most notably Saturday night's main event of May of 1989, with Hulk Hogan superplexed the big boss man off the top of the cage, same building. Uh, so just a little uh, connection there for you pro wrestling fans. Or you should have brought that up during the tour. I forgot about that. I, I know I didn't. Yeah. I, I was, I just loved that picture of the high school as being a high school wrestling coach. I just, I love that picture. I, you know, got to go to that tournament a couple of times when I was younger and always remember the call of wrestlers clear the mats. And uh, so it was, you know, I, I was focused on the amateur side of things. I wish I had thought of it though. So next time. <laughs> um, but then from there, we had a little, little bit of downtime, but we started up about an hour later with a great round table uh, that 
was a tribute to Don Kernodal. And we had uh, his brother Rocky on the panel, of course, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Bob Orton, uh, all partners of his. And uh, Jerry Briscoe kind of came in late as well and uh, joined the panel. And uh, the panel was led uh, by uh, Daniel um, Keister, who's been an attendee in, in the, uh, uh, for, the, for the weekend for a few years now. And uh, Daniel did a really good job of uh, leading the panel and uh, getting the wrestlers to share their memories of Don. Um, again, as, as was mentioned before, it was a kind of cathartic moment for Rocky and is something that he really needed. Um, but it was for, for all the wrestlers up there, it was great to hear their memories and great high opinions of Don, you know, maybe somebody that a lot of you promoters don't know as much about, um, but a great amateur wrestler and a very important pro wrestler to that mid-Atlantic territory here. So, um, yeah, Chad and Tim, feel free to share any memories from that. Yeah, you know, Dan, who's one of those guys that I look forward to seeing every year, you know, the person that kind of headed up the, the panel, uh, he, he, he was like, man, I don't know what I'm, what I'm going to do. I'm just, yeah, I don't want to be one of these people that talks too much. I'm just going to try and, and sit there and introduce people and stay out of the way. Uh, but, but I thought he did a great job, too, kind of heading things up and, and, you know, passing off to different people and uh, just some great stories about Don's, Don's career and uh yeah just a, a great little event you know to kind of put the spotlight on on someone that, that we had hoped would be there but unfortunately uh couldn't couldn't join us yeah there was a lot of emotion on that panel you know especially of course from rocky kernodal his brother and um but there was just great stories from everybody involved so it was a it, it was a nice a nice thing to do hopefully this weekend helped rocky a lot and you know a lot of us shook his hand and by the end we're giving him hugs by the end of the weekend you know he was uh, you know i say it a lot but I, I i honestly mean it he was part of the family and we were trying to help him through things yeah he was he was great to talk to and shared a lot of memories with us just about every day of the weekend so it was great great to talk, to meet him and, and talk to him um and then from there we had again another little break and uh uh we had the autograph session so uh, the, uh, the main room there was kind of converted a little bit so that the legends had space to uh, sign photos, uh, take pictures. Um, the, uh, the vendors kept their tables in there while this was going around. So then fans, even if they didn't have an all access pass for the weekend, could um, make their way around the room and check out the tables and vendors they wanted to and meet the legends they wanted to. And uh, I sat in with, with Mike and helped with uh, selling sets, met a lot of great fans who were interested in the set. I had a really great talk with a father and his son for about 10 minutes, was so close to selling a set, and then they didn't have any uh, cash. They, they only had debit cards, so and we weren't set up for that. So I said, well, check out philsingergames.com. And um, and they, we, they really went back and they were interested in both, Champions of the Galaxy and Legends. And then it was a question of which Legends set they wanted to buy. Yeah, it was, that was crowded. I mean, it, it got mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, nor normally it's crowded, but, but it was, that, that was probably the only time I was, I was getting a little bit nervous. Cause I, I, I guess I'm uh, you know, I'm still a little bit nervous about the whole COVID thing, especially with some flare ups and the, this whole, you know, Delta variant and all that. But um, yeah, there was a lot of close quarters in there because people were kind of winding around, get, you know, waiting for different people's autographs and some of the lines were long and, Luckily, I had gotten most of my stuff the, the night before, so I had to get, there were a couple left. I had to have Sarge uh, autograph that same program, but uh, 
Mike Rotundo and, and Rocky Cronodal did because on the same card he was he was uh, fighting uh, Angelo Masca for the Canadian T or the Canadian heavyweight title. And so, you know, I had a couple things to do. And then I, I basically pulled around once I was done and, uh, uh, you know, had some time. I, I pulled around and was behind the, the Phil Sigurd Games table as well, trying to trying to, to talk about the sets and, and that to any prospective customers. So it was uh, that that was that was nice. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good to have everybody in there. And, you know, and I, I, I agree, Tim, it was getting a little little crowded, but um, I guess the cool experience for for my son Connor was he got to help um, Mark Henry. Uh, for those of you who haven't, you know, haven't observed one of these things before, or, you know, it, it depends from wrestler to wrestler, but like a situation like this where um, like Sergeant Slaughter or, or uh, Mark Henry or Ken Shamrock is donating their money to the museum, their autograph and picture money is that then we assigned a handler um, and, and our person's the only one, you know, actually touching the money, that sort of thing. So Connor got to be that person for Mark Henry. And, you know, so he was helping him. And then later, Mark Henry says to Connor, he goes, would you please get one of those posters? And we talk about like our event poster where it shows all the, the, the pictures of the Hall of Fame attendees. He goes, will you please get one of those and um, have, um, get everybody to autograph it because we sell those kind of things. So Connor went from table to table and had all the legends autographed poster for Mark. And then at the same time, Mark was going from table to table, getting his picture taken with all of the legends, um, you know, and in his, at his induction speech on Saturday night, he said, it's appropriate that my name is Mark because I'm a Mark for this business, you know, and it was just cool to see somebody who has had such a high level of success, but deep down, he's still a wrestling fan. You know, it, it was cool to witness that. And um, yeah, it was, it was a good time and got everybody their autograph. Sarge was in full fundraising mode. Um, he had me get on the microphone and announce with the last 45 minutes, the autograph session that he'd be taking Cobra clutch challenge photos for $40 to raise money for the hall of fame. So that was pretty cool. And then, you know, I don't think he'd mind me sharing this cause I shared it at, I shared it at the banquet. Um, you know, Sarge brought in, a little under a thousand dollars in autograph money and and he wrote out a check to the hall of fame to match that and gave us a thousand dollars so that was very very nice he's very generous his time and um has become in just two appearances a great ambassador for the hall of fame yeah and it, it was it was fun too with the the phil singer games table you know we were sitting right next to joe malenko and so it was kind of cool because, you know, in, in between times, I would I would sit there and, and just kind of chat with him about I, I, I'm more familiar with him from his tag team with his brother, Dean, over in Japan. And uh, I, of course, I know of his father, Boris, but don't know a lot. And so I was asking about their training and said, you know, was was your dad your primary trainer? And he said, well, you know, no mistake about it. Our dad was definitely involved. But Carl Gotch was the guy that really taught us you know all the shooting stuff and all of that and i mean yeah i don't think you can learn from a much better teacher than carl gotch so uh it was really nice kind of you know being able to chat with him during some of the downtime with with people coming over to the tables and that so that was that was kind of cool as well so what the, the induction ceremony nice i'm assuming how, how did that go it's when i went to it was fairly uh fairly moving in a couple of circumstances i certainly remember a couple of those speeches so what was that like 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a great, uh, great ceremony. Uh, so Chad was the MC for that event and uh, he did a great job of, you know, keeping things moving, um, you know, give, giving all the wrestlers and, and honorees time to talk, but still kind of keeping us moving along. We actually started a few minutes ahead of schedule. We were scheduled for seven o'clock and about maybe 6.50, 55. He said, oh, we're going to get started early. Everybody had pretty much had their dinner. And it was, I don't want to say it was a delicious dinner, by the way, the uh, planning committee chose some, uh, an excellent menu. So um, well done there. Um, but Tim I and I the chocolate with, cake. That chocolate cake was great. <laughs> yes. I had half I'm not a, a big chocolate cake guy, but by God, that, that was just amazing. Yes, that was. Um, so Tim and I and Chad, uh, we sat with uh, Connor and uh, Mike Molesky and Zeke and John Arezzi. So that was a great table we had going there and uh, great some great conversations all the way around. We actually, and, even, you know, uh, John being a New York City guy actually even knew Steve Minskoff, uh, yeah. you know, who we spent uh, some time talking about in our last show. But it was kind of nice to just revisit that and, and, and you know, kind of kind of have Steve there in spirit as well. And just talk about some of John's memories with Steve, uh, who was a fan of, of John's uh, uh, radio show. So I uh, thought that was kind of cool as well and tied into the whole night. And again, you know, I've already echoed that, that uh, uh, Chad, I thought, did, did a fantastic job. And I know we'll talk about Mike, you know, uh, a little bit later. But I mean, he got up there. He was outstanding uh, talking about Filsinger Games and, and what, what uh, you know, what we do and, and, and the... Uh, the donation of, of, of the monies from the auction. So, but Corey, I'll, I'll let you get back to it. Oh, no problem. Uh, but yeah, so Chad got us, got us going and got us, got the program started. Um, the honorees again, and uh, I might be off on my order here, just kind of going from memory. Um, Hall, and Fame, Hall of Fame inductee this year was Don Kernodal, and uh, he was honored by both Rocky and Sarge again, and uh, just a great moving speech. Um, you know, Rocky, again, needed that speech, I think, for healing, and then uh, I hope he got, got some healing this weekend. Sarge stood up and kind of lightened the mood a little bit, told some other stories, just not even having to do with Don, but then eventually, of course, talked about Don and, um, and his, uh, his time teaming with Don, so uh, great to hear from both of them. Uh, the Frank Gotch Award winner was Mark Henry, and uh, he gave a great speech, and, you know, a lot of the interaction I had with him over the weekend, he was very comical, just really funny guy. Um, when I picked him up in the airport Thursday night, right away, he had us, he had us cracking up and uh, he, but he got emotional here too. You know, big guy like that world's strongest man. You didn't expect to see that, but, but as he said, he, he was a, a fan, a mark of the bit for the business. He talked about his son, who's a great high school wrestler as a freshman in Texas placed, I think in the top 15 in the state this year. Uh, which is just amazing uh, for, especially for a freshman. So, uh, and he, he said he hopes to come back. He said he hopes to come back next year with his son to Waterloo. So that would be great to see uh, both Henrys there. Uh, we had the um, George Tragos award winner, uh, which was the award for an MMA fighter. And that went to Ken Shamrock. And he talked a lot about his life. Uh, very interesting background. If you don't know his story, he talked about his father, Bob Shamrock, who adopted him and uh, brought him into his home uh, when he was a teenager. He had a lot of a lot of troubles, was kind of in and out of foster homes. And um, that was just really, really great to hear that story. Uh, Ken's wife came with him for the trip and uh, he mentioned her to the to the crowd. And um, yeah, very. Dude, I just want to say she was so nice. His wife, you know, sometimes 
not not sometimes that's too much i would say on a couple of occasions we've had people there and they brought their spouses or something it's like you know their spouses like i do not give a shit about this but um you know, Mrs. Shamrock was just so nice and so down to earth. And Ken told the story about how, like, he met her when he was 15 and she was 12 or something. Nothing creepy. Just that, you know, he he just, he met her and ended up marrying her. I mean, and what a cool story. And, wow. you know, I, I knew Shamrock was adopted by Bob and, he, you know, it was kind of gone to a, a boy's home with him that, that Bob kind of ran. But not to the extent of how much, you know, he said, he's like, if I, this didn't work for me, I was going to reform school or juvenile prison or whatever you call it. And um, how he focused his energy, which had been kind of shown in negative outbursts into sports and athletics and how it just turned his life around. So um, just, just a super cool guy. And um when, when he got there on Thursday, I was walking him down to the museum and I said, you know, sir, the only live UFC I've ever been to is UFC nine in Detroit with you against Dan Severn. And he goes, Oh, you mean the worst fight in UFC history? <laughs> and, but he, and he said, so in a joking manner and, you know, kind of explained how he had been injured and Severn was circling him because he knew if he shot on him, uh, Shamrock would choke him out because he'd done that in their prior meeting. So and Shamrock was too injured to really take any offense. So they just circled for 25 minutes because this was before there were rounds in the USC. And then they did a five, uh, five minute overtime <coughs> while the chant, the, the crowd's chanting, let's go Red Wings. And Tim and Corey and I were in attendance for that. So, but he, he was a very nice, he was a very nice guy. Yeah. And, and he was going around the museum too, with somebody that was kind of uh, taking video of him and, and just kind of looking at all the different exhibits and talking about the exhibits. And he just seemed very honored to, to be there and, and be honored by the museum. So I thought that was, that was really kind of cool that he was kind of taking it all in and really enjoying it. And, and uh, you know, had, had a good level of, of interest in the museum and the exhibits and all of that, even the amateur stuff he was into. So I, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, for the world's most dangerous man, he was a very, very nice guy. Um, uh, when I talked to him about the Detroit fight with Severin, he called it the dance and uh, laughed about it. And uh, yeah, just a really, really nice guy. So um, the uh, other award winners, we had the uh, Jim Melby Award, which goes uh, for a, uh, uh, an author in, in wrestling books. And that was uh, given to Mark James. Uh, we talked about him and his results books. Um, I have several of those books of the Memphis Territory, the Detroit Territory as well. They're just a, an amazing collection. He talked about how his earliest memories of Memphis wrestling, he was gathering results. He was he wanted to know, you know, who beat whom and, and what happened. And so he just, he would cut out the results from the Memphis paper and collect them and then save them in a, in a scrapbook. Uh, so it was, uh, really great to, to get to see him uh, after having read many of his books for years. And then uh, we had a new award that was introduced this year, and that was the Gordon Soley Award for uh, Outstanding Wrestling Broadcasting. And uh, the first recipient was Gordon Soley himself. His son, um, his son Jannard uh, Soley, was there to accept on his father's behalf. And we talked to Jannard a lot over the weekend. Um, really interesting stories about his dad and um, it was neat before the banquet started there. Uh, they played some video clips of, uh, of some of Gordon's 
matches from Florida that he commentated on. And then also, uh, for those that don't know, Gordon also uh, did a did some announcing for stock car racing. And uh, they showed an interview of him interviewing a racer. I wasn't uh, able to, to hear it the whole time, but uh, they showed a, a video of that as well. So that was uh, just kind of fascinating to see that other side of Gordon's skills uh, for those who hadn't seen that. So, um, but uh, then, then throughout the, the banquet, we, or the program, we had uh, some donations that were given when the cauliflower alley gave some money to the hall of fame as they, they typically do every year. And then as uh, Tim and Chad said, uh, Mike, uh, got up, Mike Molesky got up and represented Phil Singer Games. He did a great job of speaking and, and representing the game well. And uh, Chad got to give a giant novelty check <laughs> for $5,000. And then Chad was excited to get to get that check. I, I have to throw in that at, at one point Saturday afternoon, Chad asked if we had seen the check. So <laughs> I said, how do you lose a novelty check? But we found it. Dude, my my whole weekend, I'm just <laughs> bouncing from event to event, yep. and and I am just out of control. But yeah, at one point I did lose a giant, I don't know, <laughs> one foot by three foot novelty check. But it had always been my dream to be involved with the novelty check presentation, and actually, that was my second within a week because the week before I presented a five thousand dollar novelty check to the winner of the Adams County Cup through impact for wrestling so um yeah i was excited but yeah mike did a great job it was a fantastic speech and yes and, uh, we had jim miller and mike Doty, the development director and uh jerry briscoe join us on stage for that so that that was very cool as well well done anything else on saturday uh beyond the extracurricular activities that i'm sure followed the induction ceremony saturday night uh, no, we, we went back to the hotel bar and, and hung out some more. And I, I think, is that, is that when you, you guys were dismissed by the Sarge? <laughs> yes, it, we were. it was. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. were, uh, we were kind of hanging out a, a group of us and, uh, and then Sarge and, and Rocky Cronodal were over at the bar. And, uh, so while everybody was kind of talking, I went over when they announced last call, I went over and I wanted to make sure that those guys were set up with an extra one. So, uh, went over there and was talking to them and it was funny. I was trying to get Rocky to, and he's like, you know, good old, good old Southern boy. And he's like, Hey man, I got, I got another beer sitting right here. I, I don't think I, I, I really need another one. And Sarge is going, no, go ahead, take, you know, and, and he's kind of goading uh, Rocky into it. And, uh, and then finally Rocky, Rocky looks at me and says, well, you know, I will do a shot. So <laughs> then we, we had a debate about the shot uh, and what to do. Um, but I made sure those guys got set up and was talking to both of them for a little bit and then came back to the regular group and uh, that, that was hanging out there and, when uh, when Sarge and Rocky were leaving, Sarge came over and he looked at our, our group and he said, you're dismissed and saluted us. So that was kind of <laughs> nice. That was a good way to uh, to end the evening. And, yes, it uh, was. <laughs> so that that was pretty cool. That's yeah, awesome. the uh, I, I didn't stay up as late any of the nights because I've learned my lesson and um, it was was pretty shop. But I did hang out at the bar for a little bit Saturday and. I don't know. I think I was I was in by bed by twelve thirty because I had to be on the road by seven fifteen to head to the the show on Sunday. And we took who did we take? We took Brennan Martin and uh, Troy from the boards to the Waterloo Airport, dropped them off. Then Connor and Zeke and I came back to Gilbert and 
drop Connor off so he could go to work. And then uh, Zeke got to meet my dogs, April and Cooper. And I came down here, showed him the wrestling room, showed him Cellar Dweller Studios. And then we we drove through Iowa State's campus. I showed him around a little bit, showed him football stadium and stuff. And then I got him to the airport. And then I got to the building to help set. Well, I don't really help set up the ring because I'm too old. But, uh, you know got there as the boys were setting up the ring and we had another show um had a little had a little matinee show for ipw and had uh folks like james beard and miranda gordy and uh west briscoe appear on the show and red velvet was there again signing autographs selling some merch and um yeah it was it was a good time and, and then we Corey and tim attended then we had headed back to to the greater Ames metropolitan Gilbert area. And they came over here and we watched money in the bank for a little bit. And then as was, uh, seemed to be all the rage for at least half the people I knew watching, uh, the whole thing just started buffering just terrible. And we'd start and stop. So then we watched, what do we, Oh, we watched Kurt Henning and Nick Bockwinkle from Christmas night, 1986 in Minneapolis. And we watched a, a slaughter Bockwinkle match. that was really mm-hmm. good too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I might've slept or that i don't know i think we were all taking little turns napping there, there was um, napping involved yeah I there think was we definitely napping. fired mm-hmm. so then about nine o'clock i think we threw in the towel and and Corey and tim headed over to my parents house to crash and i uh had to move my dog out of my bed because he missed me so much he stuck his head in my pillowcase um and and made himself comfy but i, I rolled cooper out of the way settled in for a nice nap Took Tim to the airport on on uh, Monday morning. Tried work working in another nap, but unfortunately, with the construction at my house going on, they were pounding and installing the new deck. So that only lasted about an hour. And went back to work today, and I am freaking shot, my friends. I might have to throw in the towel like Sue Lowry here and call it a night soon. Threw in the towel thirty minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> Stu's been asleep during this whole whole conversation. Yeah, he actually painted eyeballs on his eyelids. So. I can sleep with uh, my eyes open, just like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good weekend, and I appreciate there's been a lot of good comments on Facebook and on the discussion board, and I need to put a post out about the weekend, but it takes me a while to kind of process everything and collect my thoughts and make sure I don't forget to thank somebody, but I know I will. So if I thank somebody I, or I forget, I, I apologize. I do, you know, I'm so great for all the promoters who showed up and I'm just sorry I couldn't spend more time, but I just, I, I'm just running the whole freaking time. You know, there's not a down moment, unfortunately, until that thing's over on Saturday night for me to stop. So I, I apologize. You know, I wish I could have spoken more to, to, to Will and his brother, John and to Dave Little and to Mark Taggart and, and Thomas and Marcus and, and, and who else? Troy. I mean, everybody who came, um, you know, Barry uh, was there. You know, I apologize. I just wasn't trying to snub anybody, but I was running an event. <laughs> so, you know, next year uh, we we announced that our dates are July twenty uh, first through twenty third, and I think Todd is going to try to coordinate that it'll work out. The Galacticon will be the weekend prior, so uh, in Chicago. So I look forward to visiting with a lot of folks in Chicago, while Todd and Mike are running around like crazy men, and then. Uh, you know, you come out, come out to Iowa and I'll be running around like crazy men. Um, one thing we definitely want, you know, some people mentioned 
in route from Chicago to Waterloo is the Field of Dreams. And a lot of people expressed interest in that. So maybe we could arrange something where people, you know, do some carpooling to stop off there. It's right along the way. It's probably 20 minutes off, off the highway that you take to get, get there from Chicago to Waterloo. And it would be, I think it would be a cool event for people to check out. Um, and there's lots of other stuff to do along the way. Um, lots of minor league baseball that people could hit up on the way. We can certainly work on some, you know, here's some things you might want to do on your way and check those things out. So hopefully, hopefully that'll work next year that we can kind of do a combined, combined promotional event. Kind of like pro wrestling USA with AWA and NWA and, and have the, the most exciting two weekends a, a promoter could ever wish to have. I think they would make an awesome double bill, as it were. Well, gentlemen, unless there's anything else, I guess we will uh, wrap up this episode in our customary way by going around and talking to each member of the Legends team and giving them an opportunity to do their particular shout out. So, Tim, let's start with you. You know, I just want to thank our, our listeners again, and I really especially want to thank the people that came out for the uh, that the Trago says Hall of Fame weekend that that our Phil Singer games related, uh, especially it was it was really great getting to spend a lot of time with Mike Molesky and talking to him and his family, and really just chatting about the game, chatting about our lives, the whole nine yards, um, and then meeting a bunch of the people that I hadn't met before. It's nice to meet Mark Taggart after hearing about you know and Will and. And all these people that maybe I, you know, had never made it to a Galacticon or had made Galacticons that I wasn't at. So it, it was very nice to kind of meet a bunch of people and, and uh, that, that we have that Phil Singer game tie uh, there as well. So uh, and just some of those people, I tell you, I, I got to tell you, I, I really felt for, for Rocky and, and I, I just I, I thought he was just such a good guy. And so many people that, that, you know, you run into with these things. I mean, I probably spent more time of any of the guys that were there, uh, the wrestlers that were there. I probably spent more time with him than anybody and just a super individual. And uh, it, it's just great. It's just a great weekend every year. So hopefully everybody can make it out in the future and uh, we'll, we'll keep growing this thing. I think that may have been one of the largest banquets we've ever had. So uh, and is one of the people that's been to all of them, you know, I mean, the, the, the bigger, the better for these things. So, uh, if you, if you didn't attend this year and are looking and thinking about it next year, definitely, uh, definitely make that trip. Hey, Tim, Corey. Thanks Stu. Um, I'll just echo Tim's comments about all you promoters who were able to attend, um, and Chad, I think named everybody, so I won't repeat names, but it was so great, you know, meeting some of you guys for the first time, seeing guys I hadn't seen in years. So just thank you. You guys really represented our game and community well, and it was just awesome uh, to, to see you guys in Waterloo. So I hope you guys had a good time. I hope you come back next year. And as Jerry Briscoe said, come back and bring a friend. So do, do that. Um, also want to mention uh, Mike's family, uh, his wife, Stacy, and their three boys. Thank you guys for making the trip. It was great talking to Stacy. She helped at the um, vendor table for Phil Singer Games. So um, great meeting you and thank you for making that long trip out there. Um, also want to mention, uh, oh, sorry, also want to thank Chad and Troy Peterson and everybody from IPW and the museum. Really well run event. You guys have really brought up the quality of the weekend and uh, you guys do a great job. I know it's a lot of tiring work for you guys, but thank you for all that you did this, this weekend and this year. Um, 
I want to mention with our listenership, we've added three new countries since our last episode. We want to welcome our listeners from Ireland, Serbia, and Guatemala. So, muchas gracias, Chad. Well, I do have a theory on Guatemala. Okay. Please. I think, according to the book face, Matt Dickendesher might be vacationing down there right now. <laughs> you are correct. I am correct. <laughs> you are correct. So, it could be Matt. In, he, okay. in, in, but you know what? We're still going to take it. Thank you, Matt. Of course we are. For making yeah. this part of your international vacation. Still listen to us. That's Expanded awesome. our footprint. Awesome. And, and thank you, Ireland and Serbia, as well, for listening. Uh, also want to give some uh, attention to fellow podcasters, Sam, Mike, and Todd at Roll Up, as well as Sam and the King of Pro Wrestling. Uh, Grant, the Filsinger Games fan podcast. I was bummed that he couldn't make it this year, but hopefully next year, Grant, look forward to meeting you in person sometime. Uh, Steve Tower from After Further Review. Dave Little, and it was great to see Dave. I don't think we mentioned him. Dave was there as well this weekend, so that was great to finally meet you in person. Uh, Dave Little and Heartland Championship Wrestling. And uh, Lee Longpre in the Dizzy Dice podcast. I hope he comes back with some more episodes soon. I've enjoyed those first two shows. So, and thank you all for listening. Thanks for all your comments on episode 38. And uh, yeah, just thanks for supporting us. Thank you, Corey. Chad. So I want to, again, just thank everybody who took time to spend their, you know, spent their money to come to the, the weekend. It was a great time. Um, again, apologies. I, I just wasn't able to connect a little more um you know thanks to everybody who's picked up the set and made good comments about it we haven't really talked about that yet uh too much detail without spoiling things but it was exciting to get the cards in my hands I, you know i think i've said this before but you know we see these stats we see the artwork we see the pdf of what they're going to look like but man it's, it's always a thrill getting the set in your hands you know and and, and just hold it on to those cards you worked so hard on for a few months. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to say hard on. Um, thanks to uh, everybody who's, you know, made some comments about uh, episode 38 and our, our discussion with, with Steve. Um, you know, we, we, we shared a lot of memories about him over the hall of fame weekend. When we were all together and had some, had some laughs and, and reminisced and stuff. So it was, it was kind of, you know, cathartic for us, like it was for Rocky Kernodal. Um, and yes, we did get some signings. And yes, they are awesome. And no, we're not going to talk about them right now. So, um, but I'm super excited. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I'll say about signings. And I just want to say thank you to Becca Roper, the assistant at the museum, who brought her dog, Helen. Because... I missed my dogs terribly. She has she has three dogs, but Helen is kind of her social media dog, and she's named after Helen Margolis, the Olympic wrestling champion, and she is a giant. Um, it's a bull mastiff. Thank you. And that dog just sits by the front door while Becca's working away, doesn't make a sound, just gets up, walks around. She uses a punch bowl for a water dish, and on on. Saturday afternoon when I was a little worn out and having a rough stretch, I just sat down by the dog and kind of petted her and gave her a couple hugs. And uh, Becca put up a pretty cool post of her video of her meeting all the, the folks over the weekend. So if you're on Twitter and search the hashtag OHelen, O-H-H-E-L-E-N, you'll see Helen's adventures. So thank you, Helen, for, for being my rock and helping me out. And I'm sure I want to say other things, but I'm really tired. So Good night, everybody. Stay safe.
Thank you, Chad. The only thing I will add to the conversation is these are pretty heady times for Filsinger Games. I got home this weekend and in my mailbox in record time, I might add, was uh, were my cards. And to open up a, a Filsinger Games package and to look at a set that includes Bob Backlund, Kurt Angle, Gorilla Monsoon, and Thunderbolt Patterson, and on and on it, it goes. I mean, I... I don't know. I, I personally couldn't have imagined that even five years ago, which I know I've said on this podcast before, that we'd have names such as these to include with Jack Briscoe and Harley Race and Luthez. It's a pretty darn impressive lineup or roster that we have assembled for the Legends of Wrestling game. And, and as far as I'm concerned, the sky's the limit from here on. I mean, I'm a believer. I think that uh, we can get uh, with a little luck anybody we put our minds to getting uh, there might be a couple that we can't but it's not going to be through lack of effort and I think that the, this game has got some real momentum behind it and uh, it's still a lot of work such as the by the people that are on this podcast and the people that are uh, out there uh, trying to grow this game in general and so kudos to all of you the game has come a long, long way. And it's something of which we can all be proud. So with that, good night, Denmark. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you on episode 40. Hey, promoters, it's Corey again. Just a reminder that we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions for Uncharted Territory, please leave us an audio message. You can go to anchor.fm backslash Corey hyphen Olson 5. That's C-O-R-Y hyphen O-L-S-O-N, the number 5. Click the message button and record a one-minute message. Or you can email your question or audio question to our email address, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. That's utpodcast and the numbers 2020 at gmail.com. We might include your content in a future episode of Uncharted Territory.